What's up? It's episode 97, Pain Points of Wealth, and markets are melting down. The fear is real, but could this fear go from fear to FOMO? Well, we're going to discuss today exactly what's going on. As we're recording this, FedEx saw their stock drop 20%. The CEO thinks that the world is going to a global recession. We might actually have a different point of view. We'll talk about that. And on the tipping point today, we're going to talk about, in our experience, some of the biggest strategy mistakes that Wall Street loves to push on you. You've got to avoid at all costs to make sure you're on your path to financial independence. Check it out. we got a great show. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey guys, I can never figure it out. There's millions and millions and millions of bits and pieces of news every single day. And of course, as soon as the market goes down, what news do they focus on, right? It's incredible. You know, they just focus on the negative news when the market's down and then they reverse it when the market's up. But let's face it. If you're negative about this market, if you're afraid of interest rates going up, which they already have, you're afraid of the Fed raising Fed funds rate, which they already have, then you've already sold. Now, if you're a professional investor and you're tactically short this market, you're already short. So you know what's going to happen? I said, when you get some hint that the Fed is finished, you're going to get a rally like you've never seen, like a rip off your face rally, because those shorts are going to have to be covered and all those folks that sold or sitting in cash are going to have to panic buy. Guys, I was talking to a client of mine just yesterday. And he's the kind of guy that doesn't get real excited when things are going really well, but loves to freak out when things are doing horribly. And the conclusion that I've reached is that investors are really, really easy to scare, but very hard to excite. Like never easy to please like that, you know, girlfriend you had in high school that would never be happy with it, anything you did. Well, that's because she was dating you. Well, oh, <laughs> wow, Chris. Harsh, harsh. No, but it's a really good point because what you're hearing now is right on TV, you get all these prognosticators or strategists, and all they can focus on is how the Fed is not going to back down. They're just going to keep raising interest rates. And we pointed out on this podcast only 12 months ago, the Fed wasn't even thinking about raising interest rates. So it's kind of like, you know, if you think about it, why should we trust the Fed now? Why should we believe anything they say? And, you know, the one thing we focused on a lot here is what's happening right now with inflation, not the backwards looking data, not these historians on Wall Street that tell you what just happened. And most economists just react to what happened recently. They don't tell you about what's going to happen in the future, is we're still seeing inflation on the ground floor coming down, right? If you look at shipping costs from Asia to the US, they've come down 60% since the high. That means supply chains are normalizing. You know, we know commodity prices have come down. So if you look out to the future, I mean, the reality of it is inflation is not going to be as high in 12 months as it is today. Well, that's the whole issue is the Fed has a credibility problem, right? They were dead wrong a year ago. We don't know if they're dead wrong or dead right now, but they're also being very, very hawkish. But like Jeremy Siegel, you know, the Wharton professor, he said the other day, he said, you talk to anybody on the ground and inflation is definitely slowing. The problem is the Fed knows that, you know, these rate increases take a long time. This you know, monetary policy takes a long time to work through the economy. And we just hope that they're listening and they're going to be smart and they're going to allow the moves they've made to work their way through the market so they get the result that they need without crushing the economy. And I think that's where all this fear is coming from. People are afraid that the Fed will go too far. Well, Rob, you make a great point. You were talking about how things have come down in price, like oil, for example, is down 34% from its highs in March. 
But, you know, talking to our clients, I mean, they think everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Like there's this great quote I read this week that said, when there's light at the end of the tunnel, the average client thinks an oncoming train rather than an upside in the market. Well, that could be a train coming, Chris. You never know. But we want to catch that train to the upside when it goes the other way. So when you look at what's happening now, it's like you're in a midterm election year, typically the first nine months of the year. Remember, we're still in September. We still got two weeks to go till we're into the fourth quarter. The first three quarters of the year, generally negative. They're generally very volatile. And if you don't think this is volatile this year, then you've been living under a rock. But from here on out, you have a high probability of seeing a positive return. Matter of fact, there's never been a midterm year followed by a negative market. In other words, the third year, the presidential cycle after the midterms is generally positive and 100% positive. How's that for a statistic? I like those odds, Bob. I like those odds a lot. But yeah, I mean, that's the point too. If you think about the summertime when the market did turn on a dime and all of a sudden we had that huge, massive summer rally, which is a lot of fun. As you like to say, Bob, bull markets are more fun than bear markets. Now we're back in the trenches again, but it reminds you that at some point here, somewhere down the line, and it's going to be out of the blue, markets are going to turn again. They're going to go a lot higher and you're going to miss that boat if you just don't get invested. So I think it's, you know, important point, something we kind of emphasize on this podcast week after week is this volatility uncertainty is your friend as you're creating wealth. Like you want to be buying right now while the volatility is high and we're not really going anywhere because in the meantime, interest rates are going up, which means that you're getting higher bond yields, right? The one-year treasury is recording this now pays 4%. What are you getting in your money market fund right now? And you know, we talk about dividends and interest every single week. Dividend yields, again, are going to increase this year to over a trillion dollars globally. So it's all about getting your money working while the uncertainty is high. It's like your best friend is a long-term investor, which is hard to get around psychologically. But in reality, like this is a gift from the gods. You've got to take advantage of it. You can't put your head in the sand. Well, right, I was saying that exact same thing to a client of mine this morning. She was saying, is it now a good time for us to panic out? Things are getting really crazy. And I said, well, look, here's what we're going to do. I said, you've got everybody selling their shares. So first of all, we're going to buy their shares at deep discounted prices. I mean, who doesn't like a bargain? I said, secondly, the biggest problem with these people getting out of the market, it's kind of like a big gust of wind. You know, you never see it coming. It comes out of nowhere and they're not going to be ready for it. They're going to be sitting in cash waiting for that right moment. They're not going to get it. But for us who bought shares at a low price, that wind's going to come. It's going to fill our sails. And we're going to sail off into the sunset. Bob, just what I was saying, we need another sailing analogy from Chris on our podcast, but whatever. Are you saying his analogy blows? I don't know. What are you saying? <laughs> All right. Well, listen, guys, there is a silver lining. And one of the things that really disturbed me over the last 13 years, it wasn't our clients who struggled. I mean, we did great. We had phenomenal returns, net of inflation, net of taxation. It's been a big booming bull market. But I've always felt bad for our clients' parents or grandparents who are afraid of the stock market, afraid of the bond market, and their whole investment strategy, their entire life, has been to roll over six-month CDs at the local bank. Well, the banks have paid zero for the last 10 years. And guess what? They still are. I checked the other day. The national average is 0.13, right? Not even 1%, where you have a one-year treasury bond that's yielding 4% right now. That's right. You can put money into a one-year treasury bill and get 4% right now. And for all those retired individuals who aren't you know, really sophisticated, here's an opportunity. I'll tell you the other opportunity is if you have a large company, you have a large cash position that you have to keep on hand, you, know, you can roll it in treasuries, roll it in insured CDs. Number one, make sure all that money's insured, right? FDIC insurance is still 250000 If you've got millions of dollars, you're putting your company at risk, your individual money at risk. And secondly, you, know, you can give a gigantic 
return on that money that's been giving you zero now for 13 years. Dad, I was talking to a client of mine yesterday and he called me up really excited. He said, you know, I'm getting two and a half percent on my money market. I said, that's great. I said, you're only losing like 6% a year against inflation. Yeah, but it's better than losing 8%, Chris. True. You know, that's the other reason why I believe it's really a time to load up on the municipal bond market. You know, the way these governments keep spending money, both on a state, local, and federal level, it's only a matter of time where they try to jack up our tax rates again. So I think you've got to look at the advantages of tax-free income. First of all, you want to be certain that you have a portfolio with permits and definition, right? We want to know what we're making. We want to know when our money comes due. So that's our downside risk. But when you look at the equivalent yield of a tax-free bond right now, in some cases, depending on your state income tax, you're getting anywhere from a 5 to an 8% return. I mean, how much return do you need to achieve all your lifetime goals? If you can do it with more certainty, why not? Well, that's the great irony right now, right, is we have a lot of investors that just want to sit in cash, park their money earning nothing, and we're in a cash flow rich world, right? This is probably one of the most cash flow rich investment environments we've ever seen, yet you're parking your money at a measly 0.8% or 0.08% or whatever it is. And to your point, Bob, we're seeing bond yields we haven't seen in over a decade. It's kind of one of the great ironies of investing. When the opportunity is the greatest, we tend to miss it and we tend to put our money in the exact wrong place. Well, you know, we always say, guys, it's darkest before the dawn. And just think back what happened in 2020 when we had the global pandemic. You know, we shut down the global economy. I mean, voluntarily shut down the global economy. Actually, not voluntarily. Government mandated shut down the global economy. You know, the Dow went down to 18,000. Things looked awful. And then in a blink of an eye, we were up at 37,000. You know, now we're at 31,000, right? With all this negativity, with all this horrible news, we're at 31,000. We were two years ago, we were at 18,000. Don't get confused by the noise. Ignore the noise. Stay invested. Keep your money in compounding. As Charlie Munger says, who's probably one of the most genius investors of all time, never, ever interrupt the compounding of your dividends and interest voluntarily. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 97, Pain Points of Wealth. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you've saved over a million dollars for your financial independence plan and you want a more hands-on approach, every week, Bob, Chris, and I run our total financial master plan, and we'll run that with no obligation or cost if you qualify. We literally do a holistic review where we look at everything. There's no firm out there that does this work at no cost. We literally will build you your own personalized financial portal. We'll put together a full investment game plan. We'll go through every investment you own. We'll show you where all those hidden costs are. And we'll show you where your tax inefficiencies are, give you our full tax playbook to show you how to optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. And we'll put together a full income game plan so you can draw from your portfolio when you finally decide to retire or be financially independent. It's a full holistic review. We only do a handful a week if you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement or financial independence plan. Simply go to www paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, you know, at our firm, Pain Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, at our boutique firm where we oversee over a billion dollars, we pretty much have seen every strategy under the sun. You know, we know what works, what doesn't work. We know what every firm out there is offering. And we know a lot of times where they bury the body, so to speak, <laughs> with the high fees and essentially how they structure these products that benefits them and not you. 
And we found is, you know, during times when it's very volatile and uncertain, like right now in the markets, there's a lot of strategies that Wall Street loves to sell you that we know from experience just don't work. You know, guys, I always love it when you have a volatile market and someone thinks suddenly, because they have hindsight now, that they can time it. But it's kind of like owning your own business, right? Just because your business is down, somebody makes you a low ball offer, do you take it? Would you sell your business because the price is lower than what somebody said it was worth the day before? Same thing with your home or your, any investment property you've ever had. You know, when prices are low, do you think, wow, I really need to sell because I can get a really low price on my home or my investment property? But it just seems so counterintuitive that that's what happens when it comes to the stock market or the bond market or commodity market. Because the volatility is there, you can see it every day, you can watch it on the tape or even they have it on every television and every restaurant, every bar in the world. You know, you think you need to take action or do something. Timing the market is the most impossible thing to do. It sounds great, but it doesn't work. Well, I was talking to a client of mine yesterday, and she's wanted to get out of the market several times this year. So what I did was I went back and I tracked the performance from the first time she wanted to get out through today. And one of the things I noticed is that she would have missed out on $100,000, guys, $100,000 of interest and dividends. So I asked her, I said, hey, I said, well, why don't we take that $100,000 and just throw it out the window? She said, well, I don't want to do that. I said, of course you don't want to do that. That's why we got to stay in. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's one of those really sexy strategies. It sounds so great to be like, you know, we're going to time the market here. We go to cash when we think things don't look very good. And then we see the opportunity looks good. We'll put you back in the market. Like there's so many strategies out there like that. And they sound so good, but we know in reality, it's impossible to time the market. It's so hard. And this year, if you don't think it's hard, I think this year is the perfect example of just how difficult it can be, whether you're a bull or bear right now, I mean, let's face it, if you went into the summertime and you tried to short or bet against the market or you were in cash, you would have missed a huge move up in the market. And you know, going into the fall here, had you gotten really bullish and gotten long on your portfolio, you would have felt some pain. So you know, in the short term, it's just literally impossible to consistently time the market. It doesn't work, even though it sounds like the easiest and most common sense thing to do. Well, you know, guys, since we know we can't time the market and a lot of people tend to project the future based on their most recent experience, you know, a lot of times when you had all-time record highs, like the markets did just this past January 4th. Nobody wants to panic out. You only want to panic or time the market when the market's down and you perceive it to continue to get worse. But the problem is you end up taking actions that you'll regret forever. Like how many folks out there have liquidated their portfolio and gone into something like an annuity? Exactly, Dad. And actually, I've been analyzing more annuities the past three months than I've ever analyzed in my life. And what I equate it to, it's kind of like going back into the arms of an ex. You know, it feels comfortable. You know, it feels good. But the reality is you broke up with that person for a reason. Annuities are a lot of the same thing. You're not going to get the returns on your money that you're looking for. They're going to tie your money up for almost 10 years. And then let's not even talk about the fees. I mean, the fees are astronomical. In some cases, I saw one that was over 5%. Well, you know, Ryan always says, Chris, he'd rather burn in hell than sell an annuity. And like that X, right, they always come at the wrong time. And that's what happens is these financial firms, they start pitching these things for safety when the market's already down, right? And that's like the worst time to sell out of your positions, which will probably rebound at some point. And to your point, Chris, lock into a return that's going to be really, really low. And it's probably going to be for a very, very long time. So you're going to be really careful here because the financial services world just preys on your emotions. And right now, the big emotion, as we know, is fear. Now, I guarantee we'll do this podcast a year from now. Markets will be higher. And Wall Street will have strategies where they just prey on your greed, and then they'll make you do more aggressive allocations when you shouldn't. So you, know, you really have to protect yourself against the financial services industry, especially right now when things are really volatile. 
Well, you know what, Ryan? The only guarantee that you're going to get with an annuity, a lot like your ex, is just a whole bunch of misery. <laughs> All right, I got a pop quiz for you guys. I was watching the uh, financial news the other day, and there was someone on who said, yeah, the market's volatile, and this is the time where it becomes a stock picker's market. Guess what industry they're in? The money management business. Every five years, it's the same pitch. I think it's the stock picker's market this year. Well, no kidding, because you pick stocks. And that's the thing. It, the tendency is to think, wow, market's volatile. So if I pick the right companies and the right stocks, I'll do better. Eh, wrong. Because when you have an individual stock, you have individual stock risk, which means it can go to zero. Market's never gone to zero, but an individual company, an individual stock can. So it's almost like you say, oh, I don't like the volatility. I don't like the risk. So I'm going to take incredible risks now to make sure that I have no chance of achieving my goals. Bob, some of your favorites, I believe, are like AMC and BlackBerry, right? Or GameStop. You know, picking stocks is a lot like picking your nose. You're just going to end up with a bunch of boogers. Well, you know, thank God for, uh, you know, these stock pickers, Chris. I wouldn't even know BlackBerry was still alive. I thought they were done. I thought the company was gone. I found out they're still trading the stock. Yeah. And another good point about that, too, is like today as we're recording this, FedEx is down 20% before the market even opened. Like you don't want to wake up and have stocks in your portfolio that on that day could be gapped down so high. Like that's a buzzkill. Like you don't want that with your financial independence plan. Nobody wants to see that their positions are down 20, 30% at the open. Whereas if you own a diversified portfolio over lots of different markets and you're not trying to pick the individual winners, you're never going to have that problem. And that's not a fun problem to have, especially if you're down the home stretch where you're going to be living off your portfolio if you're living off of it now. You know, the beauty of investing in financial assets, whether it's, you know, the equity market or the bond market, you're investing in companies that are run by people. And last I checked, it's human nature to do whatever you have to do to better your situation. And what if we do go into a rolling recession or we have a mild recession? We have a deep recession. You know, I can guarantee you every company out there, everybody who runs a company is not going to sit around and shoot rubber bands at their screen telling their employees, well, let's just wait till things get better. You know what they're going to do? They're going to double up their effort. They're going to work twice as hard. And that's why the companies always recover. That's why the stock market always recovers because it's all about human nature. I never discount human nature. I invest in equities. I invest in the financial markets simply because I trust human nature and they're always going to do what's in their best interest, which guess what? Serves our best interest. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 97, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, you love our content. Please give us that five-star rating on iTunes if you're listening there. If it's on Spotify, you can subscribe. And if this is YouTube, give us a like for this video if you like it. And if you want more of our content, subscribe to our channel and click that notification bell. You can be updated every week of all our new content. Thanks for your support. The more support you give us, the more we can do this podcast. And send us a message on Instagram if you have topics that you want us to address here on Pain Points of Wealth. We appreciate your support. All right, gentlemen. It's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, Webbush Securities estimates that there are now a billion iPhones worldwide, 240 million of which are at least three and a half years old, which I guess explains why Apple earnings are expected to continue creeping higher by single digit percentages in the years ahead. Well, you know, guys, I turned on the uh, news this morning and there was a line around the block at the Apple store in the Big Apple. Tim Cook was there to kick off the iPhone 14. My guess is there's a lot of demand for this new Apple phone. Could be Bob's finally in the market for an iPhone after all these years. I converted about a couple months ago. We were Android for the longest time. So Bob, I think you're next. All right, Chris. We think today of meme stocks is something unique, but the 1960s were called the go-go 60s for a reason. 
The Nifty 50, the glamour stocks, the concept stocks, the conglomerates, and the gunslinger fund managers who touted them were rock stars like Kathy Woods was up until recently. When the Nifty 50 finally expired in the early 70s, they had sky-high valuations that rival anything we've seen today, with Xerox trading at 49 times Ford earnings, Avon at 65 times Ford earnings, and Polaroid at 90 times Ford earnings. History may not repeat, but markets are made up of people, and they certainly do. Well, you know what? I can understand why you know, a company like Xerox is no longer trading at 40 times earnings. My first job out of college, I sold copy machines for Icon Office Solutions, and that business is so competitive, and we were like 10% higher than the competition. It was amazing that I could sell copiers at all. Creative destruction is always around the corner. So whatever the winners are today won't be the winners in the future. You just don't know when that's going to happen. All right, Bob, dividends have accounted for 40% of stock market returns since 1930 and 54% during decades when inflation has been high like today. When inflation has been high, the stocks that have increased their dividends the most have outperformed the overall market. Dividend payments help make the stock market's returns less volatile. You know, it's amazing when someone doesn't realize that dividends are not only paid every quarter, but for the majority of good companies, they increase every year. There are companies today that are publicly traded that have increased their dividend 60 consecutive years. That's not paying a dividend. That's increasing that dividend every single year. And that's why when it comes down to the bottom line, equities, stocks that pay dividends especially are the greatest hedge against inflation in the history of mankind. And meanwhile, we focus on what's the market price today? What's the market price going to be tomorrow? It's irrelevant over time. Compound those dividends. It's a very simple strategy. We keep it real simple here at Pain Points of Wealth. All right, Chris, the average German household is paying nearly 13 times more for power than in January of 2020, or about 38,000 versus 3,000. Wow, that's a huge jump in energy prices. And everybody in the U.S. thinks we're experiencing inflation. Thank God we don't live in Germany. And it's too bad we don't export electricity because I feel like there's money to be made there. And I'd imagine the average German's probably driving around in their gas-powered car versus their Tesla just because of the cost. I mean, hey, why would a German drive a Tesla and they can drive BMW, Mercedes? And my guess is they're all going to have their own electric-powered vehicles in the near-coming future. So uh, creative destruction, it's always around the corner. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 97, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, love our content, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. If this is on YouTube, give us that like. Click the notification bell so we be updated every week of our new content. That's it. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.